0: It's Thursday, September first. Welcome to Market Flurry. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker. Happy September. Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you. We made it. You you say that like it's it's a finish line. A finish line has been crossed.
1: You know, in the sort of parental category, the
0: back to school oh, yeah.
1: time of year as is, is not not entirely uh, panicked about
0: by the parents, is it? Yeah, parents. I I find parents generally more excited about the start of the school year than kids. As a general rule of thumb, I think that's true. Um, We are heading unless the
1: parents work at a school, which one of the parents in my house
0: does. Yeah, yeah, she's less excited about it. Right. So fifty percent excitement on the parental. I wouldn't say I'm
1: excited. Uh, It's just they're (laughs) actually the logistics get a lot more complicated. Wow, don't they? Do they for you? When school starts, and there's after school sports, and there's all the stuff.
0: Yeah, a little bit. I don't know. I I I stand by my original statement, which is generally parents more excited about mm-hmm. the start of school than kids are. Yeah. Uh, we are heading into the Labor Day weekend. The market is closed on Monday, so uh, we will be back here in the studio on Tuesday. So we're going to make this like a three-hour episode just to last all the weekend. The whole long week. No, we're not going to talk that. I got about that. three and a half hours of material.
1: So I'm, I'm going to speak fast <laughs> really? this time. I don't always. But.
0: Land's End? You got three hours of material on Land's End? We're going to talk Land's End. Uh, we're going to talk shoe retail. Let's talk Campbell's Soup. Let's start there. Uh, CEO Denise Morrison said she was not pleased with the company's fourth quarter results and apparently. Neither was Wall Street because profits and sales came in lower than expected and shares of Campbell's Soup down about 5% this morning.
1: Yeah. Campbell's Soup has spent sort of what I would call a long time not really going too much forward. Uh, although the stock price has had a decent run over the last, I don't know, three or five years, something like that, to the point where you wonder about its valuation you know when you look at the, the growth of the company over the last 10 years over the last 20 years it's it's been a series of disappointments, I think.
0: So why is the stock having a nice three to five year run if they're not doing anything to dramatically increase profits or sales?
1: Well, a couple of things. One, the valuations for uh, consumer staple stocks in general have have had a very nice, Uh, nice move whether that's deserved or not is something that investors are weighing in on again today. And it's so valuations have moved up. Also, the company, while it hasn't really grown um, sales all that much or or compounded sales in, in any meaningful long period of time, what it has done is buy back its shares and it has a very good return on invested capital. So it is quite profitable based on how much capital it needs to run the business, but the opportunities to grow the business aren't all that plentiful without going out and buying out new brands. Now, there are a lot of nice brands in the Campbell's um, stable right now, uh, Pepperidge Farm and Campbell's and uh, Prego and Pace and and a number of others. and. Uh, I like the fact that it hasn't hasn't left its humble roots in Camden, New Jersey. Uh, but what it's done right is buy back a lot of shares and run the profitable businesses that it has profitably. But people, it's not like people eat more food every year. Um, in fact, in in a lot of ways, less. Given some of the the packaged foods that they have are, are not the things that that are growing in share, and so they've. Expanded into some more organics and, and things like that, but they're just kind of keeping pace with the economy.
0: They really do seem to own the aisle, though. It, 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 I mean, pretty much any grocery store you go into, when you're going down the soup aisle, it's pretty hard to miss Campbell's presence in there. And I realized that for any packaged food company, to varying degrees, you're paying for some placement. So maybe there's, you know, a, a Money to be saved on the marketing side, but I don't know. This this does seem like maybe I'm just uh, maybe part of my problem here is I'm having trouble wrapping my head around the idea that consumer staples are a really frothy bunch of stocks.
1: Yeah, and it may not be frothy. Might make it sound a little too too much excitement uh, for them. Uh, but you know, Campbell's uh, as a stock was up 22% last year, it was up 17% going into today, and it's not you know, grown 40% uh, over that time period, far less. It's really been much more of a multiple expansion. It's been people looking at, oh, here's a stock that uh, yields more than 2%, only a little bit more than 2% at this point, and uh, looking for... Yield and and a fairly safe a very safe business, of course. I, I mean, Campbell's. Uh, as much as there may be some incremental uh, organic and healthier food choices getting into Americans' diets, uh, you know, diet doesn't change very fast. Uh, now, what what also happened to the company uh, was a couple of uh, and I put this in um, air quotes one time charges. Uh, one of them being for uh, carrots, which I think they took about a.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, carrots are a one time charge? Don't yeah. They, don't they put carrots into a lot of their soups? Uh,
1: all of them, yeah. So. Maybe not all of them. But it took a, a 41 cent uh, per share hit uh, for the one time item, an, an impairment of the carrot business this quarter. So, uh, you know, this is a company that has taken. Other one-time charges. Uh, additionally, this this quarter, twenty-nine percent or twenty-nine cent per share uh, pension uh, mark-to-market hit, and that is the kind of thing that I think may come up uh, for some additional
0: companies that have big pension plans. No, that one I can I, I can wrap my head around that pretty easily. The, I now want to know what's going on in the carrot industry that. There would be that kind of one-time impairment. Apparently,
1: the weather in California has impaired the carrot business quite a bit in the in the recent past, and so the price of carrots has gone up a lot. And these carrots are going. in. I mean, this is one of the more you know dangerous uh, uses of carrots since uh, the movie "Shoot 'Em Up." I think "Shoot 'Em Up." You ever see "Shoot 'Em Up"? No, we'll with Clive see. Owen. No, I don't think and, it is, is this Paul G- Giamatti.
0: Oh, wait a minute! Yes, shoot 'em up. I'm sorry. I immediately went to like a western, and I was trying to think of like a well, like a like a Lee Van Cleef kind of old west. Yes, I have seen shoot 'em up. Wait a minute, did Clive? The Owen...
1: gimmick is Clive Owen is always eating carrots and occasionally kills people with them.
0: You can kill someone with a carrot in shoot 'em up. You can. Okay. <laughs> the movie's a little bit over the top. Okay. Uh, more recently I saw the secret life of pets where uh, the, the bunny rabbit voiced by Kevin Hart uh, uses a carrot to uh, break kill some, his foes. No, but to, uh, to break his, uh, break a couple of dogs out of uh, you know animal control jail. It's carrots
1: more useful than you think.
0: We're very far afield. Let's see if we can get back on track with Lands End, which reported a loss for the second quarter. You know, if they want to save money over at Lands End, they could stop sending so many damn catalogs to my house. That would oh, be great. Oh, they
1: may. They may. <laughs> Are they good? Well, the catalog business is continuing to suffer over there. I think uh, it was off six or seven percent uh, year over year, and they continue to uh, try to move out of the styles that they're better known for as we reported I think about three months ago when we last touched on this company the lumber sexual market right yes and into a, a little bit more of a stylish uh, you know set of choices and I wonder so I went to the website today and go there right now while I'm, on, I'm yeah. prattling on and it's it's a letter right I mean it's not yes. it, does this not what do you
0: think as you see this so I I did go to the lands end website and um, I was I was struck eventually by the number of things that they sell that are not in fact apparel and we can get to that in a moment but yes like you the first thing I thought when I went to the website was holy cow there's a a letter I guess from the founder or from the CEO of the company uh, Frederica I want to say Marcioni. that's I'm, I'm getting the last, the last name wrong but um and i immediately thought oh my goodness it, it, did something happen it was because the only time i go to a company website and there's a letter from the ceo that's the first thing that you see usually it's an apology of some sort or it's an explanation or it's a here's you know here's why this went wrong and here's what we're doing to fix it and instead it's just sort of this i don't i don't know i was sort of mystified by it because it's essentially a letter saying Hey, this is who we are and this is how we want to serve you and that sort of thing. and I was just like, I why wouldn't you immediately try to sell me something? Why wouldn't you bring an obsessive like if you're in the business of apparel as Lands' End is, why aren't you working day and night to make your website uh, as efficient as possible, as attractive as possible so that I will spend money with you?
1: Right, and I think reading between the lines that there's a little bit of a, maybe not an apology, but a, a trying to assure people that the Lands End that they knew and love is still going to be around, which is kind of the first two to three paragraphs of this letter, and then and then oh, and we've got some new products too. So if you're worried that, hey, I've been wearing Lands End clothes for. 10, 20, 30, 40, however many years. And I, I believe I know what I want from them. And now it looks like they're going in a different direction. This letter seems to be trying to reassure people, from what I can tell, that uh, yes, we're bringing in some new stuff, but that old stuff you love will will not go away. And I mean, that's kind of a bad messaging space to be in. I think that if you feel compelled to reassure the people that have gone to your website that, let me talk to you before you shop, <laughs> um, that's that's not necessarily a, a good sign. And the, the signs continue to come out in quarterly fashion that things are not going well there, that the uh, sales are continuing to decline, and that, uh, you know, the choices they've made with new fashions are not yet taking hold
0: well and and again it's not just the new fashion it's the you know we're trying to sell stuff for your home stuff for your bathroom and I, I don't know this when i when I think of to the extent that I think about lens and clothing at all um, uh, one of the words that does come to mind is quality and i i just sort of think well you you don't really have a problem. There are brands out there, there are apparel brands that are suffering for reasons that have nothing Land's End isn't facing those challenges. They make quality apparel. Um, So, I, I look at their business and I think, wow, are you just really bad at operational stuff? Because it kind of seems like, first and foremost, if you want to be in the business of selling clothing, you need to make something compelling, you need to make something of quality, or the economics have to be so great that you just think, yeah, this isn't quality, but the margins on it still work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, they make quality stuff. so I, the, the letter on the website is actually having the opposite intended effect for someone like me. It's Instead of reassuring me that the brand is still going to mean something to me, it's making me think, you people have really taken your eye off the ball. This is this is no LL Bean. You're saying I'm saying it is no LL Bean, and that's not just the mainer.
1: Three months ago, I introduced (laughs) the concept that Lands End and LL Bean were indistinguishable from each other. Yeah, no, you you, as Maine,
0: a proud son of Maine, proud son of Maine, I I, took that on. I take umbrage at that, uh, and that is just that's. That's false.
1: So I shot you a, a link to a this American Life episode some time back, which went on at length about the experience of the LL Bean return department. Did you ever listen to that? No, I you didn't. never
0: do. No. when I say like this, yeah, this American Life clip is worth worth your time. Yeah, I don't. I don't. You're you're more of a This American Life fan than I am. You're just all podcasts. Um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And they do. It
1: comes in podcast form, right? That's a nice thing for I you. I know
0: they do. They do amazing stuff at this American Life, um, but I just, you know, partly, partly out of, I would say, largely out of uh, my disrespect for you, is is why I didn't listen to it. So, what what was the takeaway?
1: I would have hoped that that despite. <laughs> The disrespect, justifiable that you have for me, that that would have been overridden by your love for LL Bean as a son of Maine.
0: Um, it, it, my love for LL Bean is uh, total and complete, and nothing you send me from This American Life is going to increase or decrease it. So it, the the segment was about uh, it was a I don't know
1: what the theme of the particular show was. I'll try to figure it out. Um, but it was about people returning things, and you know, some people will return things that they have owned for thirty or forty years to LL Bean, and so like this thing's damaged because uh, I guess not just shoes, anything you buy at LL Bean can be returned forever.
0: I, I think that's the case. It started with the boots, um, and. Uh yeah, you could you could own your boots for as you said 30 40 years and bring them back and be like, "Yeah, these are kind of worn out." And they'll be like, "Oh, okay. We'll fix this or hook you up with a new pair."
1: Yeah, but you can also, I guess, and some people do this will like buy LL Bean stuff on eBay and then return
0: it. Well, I mean, that's just that's just wrong. That is just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, don't try and rip off the people at LL Bean.
1: So uh, the episode is "Get Your Money's Worth" from uh, episode five ninety one from This American Life. Okay, so if, you know if others are are you know what I slightly what. less disrespectful toward uh, you know my offers to help their lives they they could uh,
0: tune in there. I'll tell you what, send me the link again. I will tweet it out on the Market Foolery feed. Make it easy for people to find. Um, Let's talk about a company that not only have we never talked about on this podcast. I'd never even heard of this, but the 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 name is just too fabulous to pass up. Second quarter report coming out of Shoe Carnival. That's right, Shoe Carnival, and it's exactly what you think it is. It's a dress barn for shoes. Uh, profits came in lower than expected. So did overall sales. The stock is down ten percent, and you know earlier we were talking about Campbell soup and i mentioned uh, Denise Morrison the the ceo at Campbell soup and i i am always uh, it's always a plus for me when a company executive is just very straightforward and denise morrison coming out and saying yeah these results these weren't, we're not proud of these results we're not, we're not happy with this and we're looking to do better that does not that quality does not appear to have uh, made its way to Cliff Sifford, who's the CEO at Shoe Carnival, who, despite putting up pretty bad numbers and seeing a stock drop 10% today, uh, said, "...our non-athletic footwear categories, particularly sandals, performed well in the second quarter. Shoe Perks, our loyalty program, continued to be a valuable tool for us as we increased shopping frequency and average order value across our most loyal customers to report an eighth consecutive quarterly increase in comparable store sales." Come on, Cliff. (laughs) You're whistling past the graveyard here, man. This was not a good quarter. Just come out and say it. We can all see the numbers. You know, if you want to eventually get to, you know, here's what we think we did well, that's fine. But don't put up a quarter like this and have your stock drop 10% and come out and lead with, boy, we kind of nailed it. How about
1: those sandals? Am
0: I wrong? (laughs) I mean, shoe perks. Am I right, people? We're getting it done.
1: All right. So, I don't know if I'll be uh, taking the other side of that particularly, um, but to say that Shoe Carnival has done a reasonably good job of growing at a, at a kind of a steady clip for the last 10 years, uh, last seven or eight, anyway. And so they, there is a, a compounding effect to their business. It is about 50% bigger than it was five, six years ago. So. You know they're they're growing their sales at well let's call it you know six seven percent a year something like that. Uh, they're not really growing earnings, so I'm I'm not impressed with how they're translating their increased store count and as they say um, having a um, you know consecutive streak with <clears throat> excuse me comps. So. That's not really translating into a whole lot of additional profits, and you know, I've got to wonder about the, you know, what management is doing now. They are running a discount operation, uh, so they are looking to, you know, keep prices low, uh, and and so there there may not be that much margin uh, that they can get through increased sales. But really, as an investor, I'd prefer to see a little bit more profitability at the end of uh, the the revenue growth that they've had.
0: I was talking with uh, our colleague Tim Hansen. He was telling me that He's a fan of Shoe carnival. He's a fan of Shoe Carnival. And, yeah. and I, I've never been to one. I kind of want to go to one just because he, he had mentioned Because it's a carnival. Well, uh, that- Who doesn't like carnies? <laughs> um, Austin Powers doesn't like carnies. Okay. Well answered. Only two things random, and that's one. Um, I think that the fact that they have a promotion every hour, apparently. Like you go into a shoe carnival, and every hour they spin some wheel, and like this is what the promotion is, and you don't know what it's going to be. And it's like you know, this hour it may be oh, buy one get one, or hey, for the next hour all athletic shoes are off twenty percent or whatever. I don't know. That's that's kind of compelling, but it 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 sounds like to your point, they're uh, they are definitely a a they're in the value business and. Uh, they're not managing the numbers correctly. No,
1: yeah, they're in the fun business. They're in the value business. They're not necessarily in the rapid growth of profits business. Uh, and so this, you might take some solace in the fact that uh, the the founder uh, and current chairman of the board, uh, Wayne Weaver, former owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Really? Yeah. That's where the money for the Jacksonville Jaguars came from. From shoe carnival. Yeah
0: and then he what he sold the car the jaguars to like reinvest in shoot carnival
1: uh he's so he's not the ceo anymore uh, maybe he's just enjoying his wealth at this point
0: i think if you're well wealth-
1: and he's enjoying yeah i mean the, the wealth from the jaguars i think he did very well off I'm, that
0: i would think so yeah Only, i think once you get to the point where you can own an nfl team that seems to be a pretty uh, all things being equal, a pretty profitable business, even if your team is historically terrible, the yeah. way Jacksonville is.
1: And there are always people willing to buy for more than it's really worth.
0: Exactly. When you want to sell. Um, before we wrap up, um, Gene Wilder, we got to talk about Gene Wilder for a second. This is, and I think I think it's safe to say. Although, people may have thought, if, if they're still listening at this point, if people thought when we were talking about how to kill someone with carrots, or um, we were off the rails talking about This American Life, and they thought, well, have they done talking about investing? No, 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 there was still more investment talk to come. I think we've passed the investment talk, and, and now we're just going to wrap it's up. It's going to
1: be a challenge to get <laughs> investment talk into. Although, really, it all started with his uh, investment scheme.
0: In the producers, in yes. the producers, Gene Wilder, uh, who died earlier this week, a, a phenomenal career. The beloved Gene, the, Wilder. the beloved Gene Wilder, and as I wrote on Twitter, there there are actors who, who are lucky if they can create one iconic, they have one iconic role in their lifetime, and he had a Mount Rushmore, I would argue, of iconic roles. He played young Dr. Frankenstein in the classic comedy Young Frankenstein. He was the Waco Kid in Blazing Saddles. A movie, which as you and I were talking about before we started taping, probably could not be made today. No, um, and uh, the original Willy Wonka, but it it did start with uh, his role in Mel Brooks' The Producers, for which Mel Brooks won an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay, playing Leo Bloom, the accountant, who sets the entire movie in motion by uh, when he comes to do the books. For Max Bialystock, the over-the-hill, aging Broadway producer, and he's he's, you know, doing his uh, accounting work, and he just sort of muses, "Oh, well, you know, this is amazing. Uh, but a, a producer could make more money with a flop than he could with a hit." And Max Bialystock's eyes, li- played by the great Zero Mostel, his eyes light up, and says, "Wait a minute. How does this work?" And he says, "Well, you know, if you raise, you know." The way it works is you raise money, and if a show is a hit, then you have to pay off the backers. But if the show is a flop, then you never have to pay off the backers. And conceivably, in theory, you could raise far more you know far more money than you need. put on a terrible show, it closes immediately, and you keep all the extra money. And that's when they, <laughs> that's when they set out and find the script for. Springtime for Hitler. Yes. Hilarity ensues. Hilarity does ensue. That is that is a that's an amazingly funny movie. As
1: it often did when Gene Wilder w- was involved, and I think you mentioned his yeah. four greatest roles, and I think those four stand fairly uh, above, you know, the rest. Yeah, uh, and a- which there were there were still some good. Good roles, absolutely. Stir crazy
0: but pretty much, you crazy, great. But silver much, streak, uh, silver not an
1: iconic role the way these other ones were. But good
0: movies, pretty much. When he's teaming up with Mel Brooks, that's and or Richard Pryor, and or Richard. Pryor. I believe
1: Richard Pryor was supposed to be in in Blazing Saddles.
0: No, so here's uh, uh,
1: so where there was a thought that he could he he would be great in it, and then there was a thought he's he's a little too dangerous for us.
0: Yeah. So Mel Brooks uh, and a couple of his writers. Uh, said we need to bring Richard Pryor in to work on this script so he was so he is one of the credited screenwriters on Blazing Saddles and they had talked about him playing the role and i think there was a mutual agreement between Richard Pryor and Mel Brooks like ah, yeah no i'm 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 not the guy for this role and they bring in uh Cleavon Little who's uh, fantastic as Sheriff Bart yeah yeah, and
1: uh, and all the other roles you mentioned, I, I you know Wilder, I suppose brings to mind the is um, it Woody Allen's line that I don't want to achieve immortality through my work. I want to achieve it by not dying. Right, <laughs> right. And I'm afraid you know the, the comedy is there. Because it's funny because it's true. Uh, and, and Gene Wilder is is immortal for for his work. I think you know we've probably shown some of those movies to our kids.
0: Yeah, I was actually um, uh, um, saying to my wife the other day that I, I've started putting together a list of movies uh, that uh, you must show them before they leave you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And in particular, my son. I, you know, there are some movies that I'm just like, no, 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 because he's still he's he's almost 11. He's still he's more of a fan of the animated, but slowly getting into non-animated movies. And it's you know, but I basically said to him, dude, I've got a list and. You, you, you're going to watch these movies before you leave the house." And, uh, and I said to her You're
1: not allowed to start your homework until you've watched this movie.
0: Exactly. Sit down. <laughs> we're going to watch The Godfather Part Two again. <laughs> yes, nah, don't make that face, we're watching it again. Um, and there are some movies that are on that list where it's like, well, that's not appropriate right now. There's violence or there's language or that sort of thing. I think in terms of like the order, Blazing Saddles might be last might be dead last on the list because it's just it's a hilarious movie but the you know the language that is used the pejorative language that is used in that movie as we said you you could not make that movie today it it's still it it still exists today as you said because well it's grandfathered in it's like well mel brooks made it in the early in like 1974 75 something like that But that's not a movie you can make today at all.
1: Now, as I recall, Blazing Saddles was the first R-rated movie that I saw in a theater, and and my my mom walked my slightly older brother and I in, and and sort of cleared us like this this movie is fine for them. They're allowed to. She didn't go in with us. Had she seen it? I think she had seen it. Okay, and and said this is you know this is fine for them. And I I guess I would have been maybe maybe eleven or twelve or. No, ten or something at the time. I mean, because it's just—it's language. I mean, there's no, there aren't really adult situations that uh, they might go over a kid's head. Let's be clear: situations that there are.
0: This is this is this is a movie that has uh, no blood in it, and this is a movie that has no nudity in it, and it is rated R. For very good reasons.
1: For for but for Mel Brooks, you know, cartoon language. Yes. And and uh, but it was rated R as it needed to be given given the language in it.
0: And I think she was
1: aware that I'd probably heard all those words before.
0: Um, Last thing, and we'll we'll end on a business note. And this is related to Blazing Saddles. So, and uh, if you haven't seen the movie, it's it's hilarious. It 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 absolutely holds up. Um, At the end of the movie. It's it spills over from the old west into modern day Hollywood, and uh, Harvey Korman's character uh, is trying to escape. He walks into a movie theater, and he buys his ticket, and he's walking into the he's about to walk into the theater itself, and he stops, and he does a ninety degree angle turn, and he heads to the concession stand. And do you remember what he orders?
1: Is it raisinettes? Raisinettes.
0: He orders raisinettes, and it's such a distinct um, move by him because it's like he's making a beeline for the theater, and it's like, oh no, no, and and he very specifically orders the raisinettes. After that, raisinettes sales of raisinettes skyrocketed at movie theaters around the country, and the company, and I don't know if it's still the same company, but at the time, the company that was making. Raisinettes was so grateful to Mel Brooks that they would send him just boxes every year. Um, And I learned this in an interview I read with Mel Brooks. And the interview had taken place like 10, 12 years after the movie had been made. So this was still happening. They were still so grateful for Raisinettes sales taking off. And he'd just thrown it in there. He didn't, you know, that's the kind of thing like now Raisinettes would pay for that placement. And he just you just threw it in there.
1: It, and I'm, I'm surprised that I remembered it, because it's been a long time since I've seen the movie. To me, that's not a memorable moment, but something about it did stick.
0: Uh, it moved product, is what it did. It
1: moved product. I was never a fan of
0: Raisinets, but but I remember it. There you go. All right, Thanks for being here. Thank you. Have a good long weekend. We'll be back on Tuesday, everybody. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against so, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market 40. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Tuesday.